Good morning. This morning we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 3. And um, while you're turning there, I do have a couple of announcements. We'd like to keep Jackie guessing, so. Uh, First of all, next Saturday, men's breakfast. Be there. You won't be sorry. There's going to be biscuits and gravy and sausage and eggs and bacon. If you don't have any other reason to be there, that's a good reason. But trust me, guys, you need this fellowship in your life. This is where iron sharpens iron. And so let me encourage all of you to attend next Saturday, 9 o'clock. It's a great time of fellowship, great time of food. You won't want to eat for the rest of the day, I promise. Second announcement, we will be dismissing the children as soon as I pray. Um, So if you have kids that are in Sunday school, when I'm done praying, they will go meet their teachers in the back of the auditorium and go to Sunday school. Parents, if you want your kids to stay here in the chapel with you uh, during the message, they are welcome to do that. So let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says this. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in the lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord at salvation, as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given to him, 
as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day that we can assemble uh, to study your word and to be uh, taught and to learn through your spirit. God, we invite your spirit to be present here today, to be in the lives of each one of us, and I pray that you would speak to us through Jackie's words, that we would leave here today refreshed, renewed, and with a new sense of purpose and and um, what you want for us to be in this world. God, I thank you for the opportunity to teach the children that you've given us, and I pray that as they go to their Sunday school classes, you would be with them and with their teachers, and we just thank you, Lord, for the gift that is children. Lord, be with us during this time and for the rest of the day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may. <gasps> now you did it. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Um, one thing I'm so excited about is that the kids love Sunday school so much. As soon as the lights came on, they all left for their classrooms. So half of the kids are at our classrooms, and there's a few left in here. Parents, if you could please ask your kids to take just a few minutes so that way they can be here for scripture reading. I feel that it's so important that they're here for that, that we do that together. So if you're here for prayer, so please encourage your kids to wait just a few minutes, and then they can be dismissed to their classrooms, okay? Also, just in case, I know I'm still in the faith, but I am Janae Wassenaar. Please also be showing help in our kids' needs. So if anybody feels a prompting to help lead our kids and teach our kids and encourage our kids up in the Lord, please come find me because I would love to add you to my team. Thank you. All right, we're going to wrap up Second Peter today, <clears throat> ready or not. And as we do, uh, next week we'll be starting the Gospel of Matthew. So we'll be in Matthew for a couple years probably. <laughs> but uh, the good news is <clears throat> we are now, um, for a little while, been, uh, we're repeating the New Testament now. So it only took 12 years to get the whole New Testament done. And I'm about four or five books from the Old Testament being done. So, <clears throat> so we're excited about that. Uh, so, so you know, we'll be starting in Matthew next week. So hopefully some of you guys got a head start because you've been doing the one-year Bible and you've been reading through uh, Matthew as we've been going. So I encourage you to keep doing that. As we wrap up Second Peter, there's some things that 
I really want us to get our minds wrapped around. As we come to this section in chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, there's a couple of messages that Peter's laying out for us. One, that there are always going to be scoffers who doubt the coming of the Lord. They're going to say things like, nothing ever changes. We're still here. He's not coming. And we know that the Lord's timing is not ours. Has anybody not learned that lesson yet? So the Lord's timing is not ours. There will always be scoffers. But here, the purpose of prophetic truth is motivation, not speculation. The purpose of prophetic truth is motivation. The prophetic truth that Jesus Christ is coming back. Then the question is being asked to us here in chapter 3, well, how are we supposed to live then? And you'll not see anywhere in here, sell all your stuff, wear, put on a white robe, get on top of a mountain and wait. So if another person like Harold Camping comes around and says, you know what, tomorrow Jesus is going to return. You guys all need to sell. This should be a clue to you. You all need to sell your houses and send me the money. What do you need it for then? If he's coming back, you don't need no money. If I could count how many times Christians have fallen for that, sold their stuff or sent the money in and then go up on top of the mountain, we should know if we have read our Bibles at all that there's never going to be a guy who comes to you and says, Jesus is coming tomorrow, right? How many men know the time? None. So usually it messes it up. I tell them, stop telling me the time you mess it up. If he wants to come tomorrow, he can come tomorrow. How should you live in light of his return? We want to live in preparation of the day. This whole book, and actually 1 Peter before it, Peter is calling us, you and I, to lives of diligence. Now I have to be careful because when I talk about diligence, sometimes people here, instead of Diligence, they hear self-will or self-effort. So, so I want to define diligence for you. Diligence is careful and persistent effort. Careful and persistent effort. Peter is calling us to diligence. Careful and persistent effort following Jesus Christ. There are two specific areas he's been challenging us in one careful and persistent effort to grow in the word now in order to try to facilitate that for us we had bibles for everybody right one year bible that you can just do the reading of it's so easy you they even have a one-year bible the exact same one-year bible that we gave you guys on audible you can download the audible one-year bible and if your life is too busy for you to stop at all you can hit play, and it will play the one-year Bible for you while you're getting ready or while you're doing whatever things that, that you need to do. And you can sit down and write down your questions or whatever things jump out at you. Careful, persistent effort to grow in the Word. That is everywhere in Scripture. All over the place he's calling us. First Peter. You remember 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 and 3 says, Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, 
if or since indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So if you have tasted that the Lord is good, you, like a baby, want milk. And the milk for the Christian is what? The word of God. Careful, persistent effort. Now, I know we're capable of this because we have careful, persistent effort for a lot of things in life. We have careful, persistent effort at riding motorcycles. At least I do. In fact, I remember 2009, uh, a guy in a meat truck ran over me and my motorcycle out at Chris Moore's farm. And uh, the next day, I was ready to ride a motorcycle again. Crazy. But you know why I was ready to ride a motorcycle again? Because I love riding a motorcycle. So I have careful, persistent effort doing the things I like. If you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you should like his word. Like a baby wants milk. How many of you have a baby or have had a baby? Now, will that baby let you just decide, you know what, um, uh, I don't have to feed me today. Does that ever work? Does it ever work? You know what? I'm just tired. I've had a long day. I, you know what, little Johnny? I'm, I'm going to sleep in today, and we're skipping that first feeding. Does any of that ever work? Because a newborn baby says what? I want fed now, right? Oh, it doesn't use words, but you know, right? So a Christian ought to desire the word of God. Colossians 1, 9 and 10 says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We're praying. This is what Paul's saying to them. Look, we're praying for you that you'll grow, that you'll know him that you'll know his will, that you'll understand him, that you'll understand his word, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. In light of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming and we want to be found ready, it's motivation, not speculation, then I want to know him. Where do I learn about him? In his word. In his word, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Here's what happens in the lives of believers. We get saved. Or maybe we've been saved for a long while and God does something in our life. We experience something amazing and we get super excited. And in that excitement, we, we're enjoy, we enjoy the worship and we are enjoying uh, time in his word and we're enjoying all these things but then time happens just like it did in your marriage remember when you were super excited oh no sorry don't act like you heard that uh, sorry babe you remember how it was when you were first in love and then there was 
there, was a, there came a time in your marriage, and this is what a lot of people in marriage need to learn. There comes a time in your marriage when you have to choose to take your marriage deeper than that. Deeper than the emotion that brought you together to going, if you told me, I know, I know there's a, a bunch of young people right now going, Jackie is so full of it. You're crazy. I'm so sorry, Jackie, that you just don't have the kind of marriage that we do. <laughs> I know. I sounded like you when I was your age. But listen, in, uh, what, what do we got, 35 years? In the 35 years of knowing my wife, um, we have a relationship now that is that transcends all of that stuff. I'm not saying that none of that stuff that brought us together still exists, but it has transcended that. So I want to see her face every day. I, I don't want to go to sleep in a bed that she's not in. I, it's comforting just to know that she's there. Our relationship has developed in our understanding of one another to the point that it has transcended the things that it began as. And our relationship with Christ is like that. It begins, we get excited, we, we think it's all these things. Maybe we think it's a miracle, or we think it's a music, or we think it's something else. But there comes a point in our relationship with Christ where we have to transcend that and enter into a deeper relationship where we know him. And we can't imagine a moment where we're not spending time talking to him. Or we can't imagine a moment that we're not spending time understanding him more, wanting to know him more. That is what it means to grow in the word. But the problem with much of the church today is we get saved and we stymie and we stay infants. And we're not growing and we're excited by all the same things that excited us before, but as soon as those things maybe stop happening or, or we enter into a, a drier season, and for those of you who don't know this, there are dry seasons in everything, right? Well, I don't, I don't care what hobby you love. There's a dry season. Nobody's team always wins a Super Bowl. Not, not even them, the Patriots. They don't always win. So when we, when we look at it, there's dry times, there's dry seasons. And in those dry seasons, we learn to persevere, we learn to endure, we learn to get deeper. So that when times of refreshing come, we're ready to receive those things. We have to grow. And we grow by having a careful and persistent effort to put the word of God in our life. To put the word of God in the things that we do. Hebrews 5.12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. The basic principles of the oracles of God. Now how is it that we, that we grow? He says, You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is what? Unskilled in the word. How are we unskilled in the word? We are not using it. If we use it, you will become... More skilled, right? I know. Sometimes people come on Monday morning and, and maybe, they, maybe they think, oh, my goodness, I can't believe Jackie knows this or Jackie knows this because I 
that's this is what I do. I'm literally in the Word of God all day, every day. And I love it. And I'm, I know that the reason God pulled me into the ministry, because if he didn't do that, I wouldn't do it. Why I teach three, four times a week. If three, four times a week, 20 hours each time to get prepped, I got to spend a lot of time in the Word. But that is what gives us our foundation upon which we stand. You don't have to become a theologian, but you do have to pour the Word of God in and use it. Because everyone here is a minister of the gospel. Every father is a minister to his children. Every father is a minister to his wife. Every woman is a minister to younger women. Every older man is a minister to younger men. Everybody within the body of Christ has a part to play within the body, right? We're not all ears. We're not all eyes. We're not all noses. We're not all tongues. We're not even all spleens. But we all have a purpose. We all have a purpose, right? And we have to be doing our purpose. We have to be fulfilling that which God called us to. So Peter is saying, look, in light of Jesus' return, grow in the word. Grow in the word. 21 days. If you would set, we used to do a 21-day fast every year beginning in January. This year, I didn't want to do a fast. Sometimes you keep doing the same thing over and over again. It gets kind of dry. You start to lose the the purpose of it. But what I would love to see is 21 days hard focus going after the word. And watch how that becomes a hunger in your life so that it continues. So then it's 10 years down the line and you've read the Bible 10 times. And you comprehend things you didn't comprehend when you began. Because you're pouring the word of God in. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Listen, and on his law he meditates when? Day and night. Pour the word of God in. Careful, persistent effort. Pouring God's word in. The second part of that, remember I said there's two things he's been calling us to, diligence in. Diligence, careful, persistent effort to grow in the word, and diligence in walking in the spirit. We are to walk in the spirit. Walking in the spirit just means how did you get saved? How did you get saved? We got saved because someone shared the gospel to us, right? We hear the gospel. So what Ephesians chapter 1 says, we heard the gospel. The spirit began to work in our hearts. We called on the name of the Lord. We put our faith and trust in him. And the spirit regenerated us, right? We were regenerated. We were made new from the inside out. Paul would say to the Galatians, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? that you have begun in the spirit, how do you think that you can complete this in the flesh? So we have to, not only are we saved through the spirit, but then we have to live in the spirit. You guys, I know you you understand the words I'm saying. I'll, I'll give you the concept in a minute. 
But we're supposed to walk in the Spirit. Our everyday life, walking in the Spirit. Our everyday life, growing in the Word, walking in the Spirit. Now, anytime I talk about walking in the Spirit, people immediately jump to tongues, prophecy, raising the dead. Those are all manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer that comes upon the life of a believer as the Holy Spirit wills. I'm talking about walking in the Spirit. It's not the same thing. And it would do us a lot, it would help us a lot more if we focused on the signs of walking in the Spirit instead of looking for some miraculous thing because you can't have the miraculous thing without what I'm going to talk about on walking in the Spirit. You can't have it. Read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It talks about these powerful manifestations of the Spirit in the life of a believer. But in chapter 13 it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I have not love, what? It profits me what? What if I understand all mysteries? What does it profit me if I don't have love? Nothing. If I can say to this mountain, be removed and cast it into the sea. Incredible acts of power. But if I have not love, what does it say? It's worth nothing. So let's just set those things off to the side for a moment and understand what the scripture is asking us to do. Continue to live in the power, the same power of the Holy Spirit that saved you. Continue to live in that same spirit. Galatians 5.25 says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. We were saved through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. We're born again by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. And He empowers me for everything I'm going to do after that. I can't do it on my own. It's not self-effort. It's reliance on the Holy Spirit. Not self-effort. Reliance on the Holy Spirit. This means we yield to His control. Have you ever felt the Lord tugging you one way and you choose to go another way? Okay. So, <laughs> just in case I'm the only one, wow. <clears throat> so we need to learn careful, persistent effort, yield to him. When the Lord says left, go left. You know it. The Bible even tells us one day we'll stand before God. And even for those people who have never heard the gospel, God says that the Lord will stand in judgment over that person and he will judge him by his conscience. Could you overcome a judgment of your conscience? This is what a judgment of your conscience looks like. The Lord will say, have you ever thought something was wrong and done it anyway? Uh. Yeah. Uh, then what will the Lord say? Guilty. You, you violated your own conscience. So when we look, we want to yield to his control. We want to follow his lead. We want him, the Holy Spirit, to exert influence in my life. So that I obey him 
I want the Holy Spirit to influence my life so that I obey him. When we don't, you guys have heard this before, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Anybody heard that phrase before? To grieve the Holy Spirit? It's out of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, just so we have a little bit of context, says this. Let no corrupt words come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. So that it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So he's telling us, he's giving us a command, right? How many corrupt words come out of your mouth? He says, none. Don't let any corrupt words, only use words that are going to build other people up, that they hear the grace, the, your, your speech seasoned by grace. That they hear that. And the next phrase is, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How do I grieve the Holy Spirit when I don't do that? When I know what I ought to say or how I ought to say it, but I don't say it that way, and then I'm grieving the Holy Spirit because he has told me he's exerted his influence through the word of God and the, and the presence of his spirit speaking in my conscience telling me this is not right, this is not right. Jackie, get yourself under self-control. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't say, you have stuff come out of your mouth that you wish you could get back? The Bible says, the Bible says we're grieving the Holy Spirit who has saved us. We're grieving the Holy Spirit who has regenerated us if we won't obey what God's told us. Now, we like to excuse ourselves by saying, well, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. You're right. It's not self-effort. It's walking in the Spirit. The same Spirit that you were born again through. You were born again because the Holy Spirit did something you didn't do. Right? And then he gave you an appetite you didn't have for the Lord. And now he's saying, now walk in that. Walk in that. Like a baby learning to walk. Walk in that place. When I walk in the Spirit, this is what I will see. Love. Joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You guys all know those, don't you? Why do we know it? What does the scripture call it? Galatians 5, 21 through 25. What does it call it? It says the fruit of the spirit. Look at the fruit of the spirit. Previously, he says, these, this is the fruit of the flesh, right? These are the works of the flesh. And we know all those things, anger, bitterness, wrath, malice. Well, you know, don't memorize those. Let them go. What should be in the life of a person who's walking in the Spirit? Our tongue's not here anywhere. Right? We set that over here for a while. Before you want to pick that up, you got to get this down. Before you want to prophesy, you got to get this down. Before you want to see God do miracles through your life, you got to get this down. Because if you don't have this down, none of that matters. Walk in the Spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that the things we suffer and go through in our life are all accomplishing a purpose, right? They're developing character and endurance and faith and hope. And then he says, and the love of God is poured out into your lives. How? By the Holy Spirit who was what? Given to you when you got saved. 
when he worked in your life and you were born again and the Holy Spirit is in you and he's trying to exert influence over you. It's our job to give careful, persistent effort to walk in the Spirit. Are you going to fail? What does the proverb say? Will we fail? The book of Proverbs says a righteous man will fall how many times? Seven times a day. Uh, I think that that is a total uh, low number. That's a low ball in it. <laughs> seven times a day. But what's the end of that proverb? A righteous man will fall seven times in a day and rise again. So what's the point? When I fail, what do I do? Do I pout? Do I whine? Do I sit there and go, oh, Lord, I did it again. I can't do it. What do you do when your kid does that? When you're out trying to teach your son how to ride a bicycle and you're pushing him and you let him go and crash. Oh, and he's got a bloody knee and he's crying. Ah! And he says, Dad, I can't do it. I can't do it. What do you do? <laughs> so the mom, the mom can put the Band-Aid on. The mom could put the Band-Aid on, and the dad's going to put him back on the bike, and he's going to tell him, you can do it. Don't quit. It's always too soon to quit. Careful, persistent effort. No matter how much we skin up our knees, no matter how much we may want to quit, we rise again. We confess our sins, he forgives us our sins, and we keep moving forward. This is the life of a believer. And this life is possible. This walking in the Spirit, listen, is possible because it's expressed in our lives through the transformation of Christ in me by the empowerment of his Holy Spirit. So the Lord has given me his Spirit, the moment I got saved, I received the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus said to his disciples, when they believed, he said, receive you the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus, what happened when the Lord said, let there be light? The light came 50 days later? No? What did the Bible say? God said, let there be, let there be light, and light was. If Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, what happened? They received the Holy Spirit. Now, Later on, we have the empowerment. That is the overflow or the, the empowerment of the Spirit for special acts. But before we're ready by the Spirit to do special acts that God has ordained, we have to be walking in the Spirit. Daily reliance on the Holy Spirit to comprehend the word that we're reading. To equip us to do the next thing that we, that we know we ought to do. To forgive us when we fall short. And to give us the endurance that we need to get back up. Look, Peter is saying, because of this, we need to be diligent. To be who you say you are with your lips. In reality, by your life. By your life. How you live. Peter's final message is this. The world is temporary. Everybody know that? The world is temporary. Our home is timeless. Our home. That's with him. And our guide 
is true. That's the word of God. The world is temporary. Our home is timeless. Our guide is true. So how shall we then live? 2 Peter 3.11. See, that intro didn't take that long. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved. Listen, since all these things, since the world is going to burn. You guys see it? Verse 11, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in holiness and godliness? Since it's all going to burn, what should we be living for? 1 Peter 1.15 says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Holy just means committed unto him, separated to God. I'm yours. There's a lot of things in life we can live for. I can live for another ride on the motorcycle. I could live, you know, when I was a young man, I'd go out on dirt bikes and we'd, me and me and my buddies would be out in the hills and we would wreck these gnarly, I mean, my motorcycle being 17 pieces. And we'd get up, and my motorcycle was held together with duct tape, so not a lot has changed. And my motorcycle, I'd tape it all together and get the bailing wire out, and I'd straighten out the broken bones, and I'd climb back on that thing and go again because it's what I wanted to do. I was set apart for riding the bike. All of us have something similar, right? There's something in our life that really motivates us. Maybe it's the gym, maybe it's work, maybe it's have being successful in whatever field or in whatever ideals. And I'm not saying those things are wicked, I'm just saying that ought to be the same heart we have toward God. That I want him like that. That I want him in that way, I want to pursue him. 2 Peter 1.3 says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life. How many things has God given us? All things that pertain to life. All things. He has not left something out that you don't have so that you can't accomplish what it is we're talking about. He has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Listen, through the knowledge of him. How do we learn about God? We learn about God through his word. Has he given us his word? Yeah, we got his word. So if we pour his word in and we grow in the knowledge of him, we will have all things that pertain to life and godliness. It can be done. This race of faith, it can be won. It's not a pipe dream and it's not self-effort. It's reliance on his Holy Spirit. Careful, persistent effort. Day in, day out. This is how we do it. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, he says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, with virtue, with knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. And then he goes on to say, And if you do these things, you will never fall. You guys know anybody who's fallen away from the faith, who once upon a time was super serious about their walk with Christ, but today is no more? Well, Peter is saying, if you, don't, if you want to finish well, 
We all start, right? The Holy Spirit works in our life. The work of regeneration happens. We're excited, right? We're entering into that relationship. Then life happens. Things go wrong. We don't get something we want, whatever. And little by little, we start to lose the the momentum that we had when we got saved. And the Lord is calling us and challenging us now. Go deeper. Go deeper. Learn about me. Know about me. Walk in the Spirit. Make careful, persistent effort. Add these things into your life. Focus on it just like you focus on anything else in your life that you're good at. Because if you're good at it, you spend time doing it. If we're good at it, it's because we do it. We want to be men and women who are being diligent to live godly lives because Jesus Christ is coming soon. You want to be ready when you see him? I know I do. He goes on in verse 12. He says, verse 12, listen, waiting for and hastening. What? Do you see that? Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Are you paying attention? Waiting for, and what was that other word? Hastening. Now, there are a lot of people who want to do mental gymnastics about right now. Hastening. Hastening. So I did a careful word study on that word. I'll tell you what it is, but I probably won't pronounce it right. <clears throat> Spuerontes. Spuerontes. It means speeding. Every time it's used in the Bible. Not almost every time. Every time it's used in the Bible, it means to hurry or speed something up. Are you trying to tell me it means something different here? But some people will say, well, you know what, Jackie, that's not, that doesn't work with my theology. God does what God does when God does it. Yep, he does, for sure. And his word that he wanted to give us says... We can hasten the coming of the day of the Lord. How? How do we hasten? Waiting for and hastening the coming day by being the sort of people God calls us to be in holiness and godliness. That's crazy. He says, waiting for, this word waiting for, prostagontes, it means to wait eagerly. It's like, have you guys ever ordered something on Amazon? <laughs> Come on. We've been in COVID for like three years, so don't act like you don't use Amazon. So you guys have ordered through Amazon, and then Amazon says it's going to be there tomorrow. And so you're super excited about whatever this new thing is that you got coming, and Amazon's going to be there, and you're on your knees on the couch looking out the window bouncing a little bit oh come on ups truck come on and then there it is that big brown truck turns on your street you are eagerly waiting to receive the package is that how you look at the return of christ bouncing on that couch 
lifting our eyes to heaven, saying, even so come Lord Jesus. Man, I want to I wanna see him when he comes. 2 Timothy 4.8 says this, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And Paul says, not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. Everybody who's on that couch looking out the window, bouncing up and down. Come on, Jesus, come on. Because prophetic utterance is motivation, not speculation. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Man, I want to know you more, Jesus. When I see you, I want you to look at me and say, well done. Now, I know we do this thing. Maybe we don't do this thing. I don't think my wife does this thing, but I do this thing. My wife is very optimistic. I'm very pessimistic. Usually I say something like, well, I'm going to have smoke on me, but at least I'm going to get there. Because I know I fail, I mess up, I screw up, I do things I shouldn't have done, and I focus on that. So, so, so for those people like me who do that, David is called a man after God's own heart. He was a murderer, an adulterer, but he was a man after God's own heart, not because of his performance, but because David faithfully followed the Lord. David, of all the kings you're ever going to read about, David never one time bowed the knee to an idol. Never one time worshipped a different God. He always lifted his eyes to the Lord God Almighty, and he would say, Lord, I've forgiven, and against you only have I sinned. And he would ask God to forgive him, and God would forgive him, and he would restore him, and he would continue on. He was faithful to God. And so God points to him and says, that's a man after my own heart. He wants me. David wants me. All that is required for you to hear a well done, good and faithful servant is for you to want God. To be faithful in your worship to God. Not worshiping other gods, but faithful to him. Eyes on the prize. And you can be a man after God's own heart. Well, I messed up. Yeah, so did David. He killed the dude to steal his wife. There's no good way to spin that. There's no way to make that work, right? But David wanted God. So that when he was confronted with his sin, he would fall on his face and seek forgiveness. You're right, Lord, I'm guilty. Man after God's own heart. Because he wanted the Lord. And so Peter here is clearly teaching believers can advance or hasten the arrival of God's day. By loving his appearing, by focusing on him, by loving God, by walking in holiness and faithfulness to him. That's what Peter is talking about. Now, people will say, that we'll start to try to rationalize the text. Some of you are already doing it. I can see you. Wheels are turning. I'm going to talk to Jackie on Monday about that. What are you talking about? <clears throat> we fall prey to rationalism, which either squeezes out divine sovereignty 
says, well, God's not in control or ignores human responsibility. And here's the truth. The Bible teaches both. You can hold on to a system that says that part's not true, but that part is. But the system is not what the Bible says. You do all the gymnastics you want to on this verse. It says what it says. Means what it means. God is in control. And you can hasten his day. God said it. I believe it. He has laid it out for us so that we can know. What is this day? The day of the Lord. Look, he's not talking about the rapture here. He's talking about the day of judgment. That day of judgment when God's going to come and he's going to judge the living and the dead. That's the day of the Lord, the day of God, the day of Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 5, all judgment's been committed to the Son. So when we talk about the day of the Lord, it's not the rapture. The rapture is something that happens otherwise. In, in Thessalonians, it tells us, you and I as believers have not been appointed unto wrath. The wrath of God, the ultimate wrath of God is hell. Yes? You have not been appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not a judgment for you. That's not a judgment for me. The rapture is something that precedes that day, that great day of the Lord. But he's saying here, when God's people want to walk in faithfulness and live godly lives, they are hastening the day. There is some way in which they are hastening the day by walking in faithfulness. Verse 13, he says, but according... To his promise, according to his promise. Where do we read his promises? In his word. So according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth. Amen? I'm, I, look, I know we all want to have, we all want to enjoy. I want you to understand this. When we say we're looking for a new heaven and a new earth, that's not meaning that none of this is real. That your love for your children is not real. Your desire to see your children grow in the Lord and in life is not real. Those are all good things. And those things won't be lessened by being with him. I know that's our fear as human beings. Well, I want to see him get married. Or I want to see my grandbabies. Or I want to see... It's okay to long for those things. But you have a misunderstanding of the presence of God if you think the presence of God is less than. The presence of God is greater than. So whatever we can imagine in their growth, in their lives, in the expression of those lives is not lessened in God's presence. Now, I don't know what it'll look like. I'm just saying it's not less than. God is not less than. He is greater than. To be in his presence is the greatest of all. We are waiting a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Anybody tired of dealing with sin? Want to see an end to having the battle with the sin nature? To having to confess our failures before the Lord God? Sure. So because of his promise, he's coming back. We are looking for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells, not sin. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, be diligent. You see it? Be diligent to be found in him without spot or blemish and at 
peace. Now, I want you to understand, don't, don't lose this. You don't make yourself without spot or blemish. Who does that? Jesus does that. He makes me. What do I need to be? This is what Jesus was describing when he was talking to his disciples. And his disciples are, are kind of struggling with all these different concepts. And how am I supposed to do? What do I do? I don't know how to do this. How do I do this without you, Jesus? If you're gone, how can that be a good thing? And Jesus said, I am the vine, you are. So what do we do? Abide in me, he said, and I abide in you. Abide in me. If you're a branch on a tree, and I say to you, abide in the tree, that should not be a complicated thing, right? Pretty much all I got to do is just Stay here. Stay attached. Stay connected. Hold on. There's a lot of things in life that's going to make you go, you know what? Hang this dumb tree. I went out of this tree. Get me out of the tree. The wind blows and I'll start wiggling my branch until it starts creaking and cracking and maybe I can break it off and blow away. Is my condition better? Is a branch better off not attached to the tree? Ever? We have to abide in Christ. There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. There's no place else to go. There's nowhere else to run. We run to him. He's my refuge. He's my strong tower. He is my strength. He's my shelter. He's my everything. Abide in Christ. This is how we are diligent to be found without spot or blemish and at peace. So remember I told you, first, this world's temporary. It's all going to burn. Second, our home is eternal. He says we're waiting for a new heaven and a new earth, right? New heaven and a new earth, Revelation 21, 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. The, the Bible is clear. The, the sea is a, is a uh, metaphor for chaos. All the bad things come out of the sea in the book of Revelation. Where did the beast come from? Out of the sea, out of the roiling waves of chaos. But in the new heaven and new earth, there will be no sea, no more beasts, no more none of that stuff, just new Heaven, a holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from a throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God will be with them and be, and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, nor mourning, nor crying nor pain anymore. Behold, the former things have passed away. Then he who is seated on the throne declared, Behold, I am making all things new. Since we are waiting for that day, abide in the vine. Stay connected to Christ. Finish well. Finish. You started your race. Praise the Lord. 
The Spirit has regenerated you. Hallelujah. Now walk in that same Spirit so that you can express through your life love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And when you see those things flowing in your life, then you know the Holy Spirit is with me and empowering me. And then we can take a look at that other list. You guys with me? The other list didn't go away. It's still there. But you can't get a hold. That was the problem with Corinth. Corinth was so worried about the other list, they forgot about this. Just walk in the Spirit. Be empowered by Him. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. The Lord patient with you? Been patient with me. Does he overcome my failures? Praise God, hallelujah, he does. Is he sitting over me, disappointed? Oh, Jackie, you're such a loser. No, he knows what I am. You read the Bible, right? 113th Psalm. You guys know in 113th Psalm, the Lord says, I know your frame. I was there when you were made. You are a dirt clod. He says, your frame is dust. Yeah? Your frame is dust. When is the last time, we've talked about this before, when's the last time you're walking around and you looked over and you saw a dirt clod and you expected a lot out of it? Well, that dirt clod's going to do a lot. That dirt clod's really going to get things rolling. Look at that dirt clod. Ooh, that, that's a better dirt clod over there than that dirt clod. The Lord says he has pity on man. He knows his frame. He knows that he is dust. What God wants from you is your faithful trust in him. That's how you please God. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. You trust him. You want him. This is what the Lord is looking for from us. Not that you never let a bad word slip out of your mouth. When a bad word slips out of your mouth, what do you do? Yes, confess, be forgiven, get back up, let's go. Walk in the Spirit. Be connected to the vine, be, be connected to the tree. The branch is not loose, the branch is hooked to the tree. The sap of the tree is feeding me. The power of the tree is flowing in me. The things that you are capable of, you are capable of, but you need to be in that place. Walking in his spirit, filled with his presence, just as our beloved brother Paul wrote to you concerning these things, to the wisdom that he has given, as he does in all his letters, that's the word epistle, there are 13 of those, as he does in all his epistles when he speaks in them of these matters. And there are some things in them that are hard to understand. How many of you have ever said, you know, the Bible's hard to understand? That's what Peter said. But he also said it's scripture. Listen, he says, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their destruction. Remember the false teachers twisting the word, making the word say something else as they do the other scripture. Peter is saying, Paul's writings, the 13 epistles, are on par with the Old Testament. Sometimes people ask me, did they know they were writing scripture? Yes, they knew. 
Peter looks at Paul's writing and says, that's scripture. Paul says, this is scripture. Peter says, this is scripture. Because they are apostles. They are the New Testament version of the Old Testament prophet speaking forth God's word to you and I. And they accomplished their purpose. They delivered to us God's word so that we can grow thereby. We want to grow thereby. You see, the world is going to burn. And our home, it's eternal. But our guide is true. The scriptures that we hold fast to. Peter warns us not to be led astray. Look at verse 17. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, all these things, that the world is going to pass away, that we have an eternal home with Jesus Christ in the heavens, that we have all of these good and perfect promises that will equip us for the things we need moving forward, then take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Don't get tripped by a false teacher. If you were listening the last couple of weeks, I said, if you're worried about it at all, just stop listening to everybody you're listening to and read your word. Stop thinking that you have to have something special to be able to read God's word and comprehend it. You don't. Read God's word. Study his word. Read it every day. If you don't understand, write down your questions and read God's word. Move forward. Be diligent. Don't let yourself be tripped. Be a Berean. If you're listening to other people and you think, hmm, what was that? Then ask. The Bereans received the word of God with all readiness, but then searched the scriptures to see if what they said was true. Be good students of the word. Listen to what he says, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow. Grow. Be diligent. Be diligent. Grow in the word of God. And walk in his spirit. And you'll be okay. Keep your eyes on the prize and move forward to which he has called us. Grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Don't be led astray. Be watchful who you give your ears to. Be watchful who you give your eyes to. Be watchful who you give your mind to. And grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Spend time giving yourself to him. And you will finish well. The world is full of those who have not finished well. But we want to be of those who have. We want to be of those who are able to finish the race that God has laid before us. And the beautiful part of finishing that race, to me, is the part that is described so well in, uh, in the book of Jude by the, by the brother of Jesus. 
He said, now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Who keeps you from stumbling? Jesus keeps you from stumbling. And who will present you before the presence of his glory with great joy, blameless, without spot, without wrinkle. Who presents you? Jesus. How does he present you? How did he present David? Come on. How did he do it? When David got to heaven, what did Jesus do? He walked him up to his dad and said, Dad, this is the guy who cheated with Bathsheba, who murdered her husband, who failed Israel countless times. This is the guy who blew it over and over again with his whole family. All his sons were in rebellion. Is that how Jesus presented David to God the Father? The Bible says, Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and who will present you blameless. Why is David blameless? Because he's covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Why are you blameless? Because you're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. When you finish your race and you stand before the king, Jesus is going to put his arm around you, walk you before his father, and say, Dad, Jackie made it home. He's perfect. No spots. Now look, if I let you guys make a list, you all can come up with lots of spots. But you don't get to make that list. Jesus makes that list. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forevermore. Isn't that good news? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time we can come before you. We thank you for the opportunity that you give us to praise your holy name, that you challenge us in your word, that you call us in your word to grow you call us in your word to walk with you. You call us in your word to be the men and women that you're calling us to be. But you, you're not, it's not something that you expect me to work up on my own, that somehow I can accomplish it just because I have enough effort. But you are asking me to accept the human responsibility that says I need to be persistent in this. Not giving up because I fell off the bike. Not giving up because I failed. Not giving up because I fall short. You want me, Lord God, to move forward with you. You want me, Lord God, to know that, that I'm going to get skinned knees. And I'm going to mess up. And I'm not going to be perfect. And the whole world will describe me just like they described David like an adulterer and a murderer, and they'll see all my faults and they'll see all my failures. But God, your word declares that as I abide in the vine, that you cover all my failure, that the love of Jesus Christ washes over my sin, that your blood has made me white as snow. So that when I turn from my sin and I turn to Christ, I'm no longer known by my failures. I'm known by the love of Jesus Christ that covers me. He 
makes me clean. So you call me to persistence. You call me to endurance. You call me to faithfulness. You call me to make every effort to continue to walk with you and grow in you and understand you more and to continue to make that effort every day to walk in your spirit so that love is expressed in my life so that I am a vessel that can expect to see the power of God moving through him because I'm rightly reflecting the character of God just by my position in him because I'm attached to the vine that sap is the love of God being poured into my life by the Holy Spirit that was given to me. So God, I pray with each of us, Lord, not only have we begun our race, but we'll finish well. We will continue to seek you, to follow you, to grow in you, to walk with you until we see your face because all of this is going to burn and if I live my life for my job or I live my life for my family or I live my life for all these other things and I forget you to do it I'm going to lose all those but Jesus said if you'll lose your life for my sake you'll find all of that Because the best father you can be or husband you can be or wife you can be or child you can be, the best employee you can be or employer you can be, the best human you can be, the best person you can be, you will be in Christ Jesus. So God, equip us to be the men and women you're calling us to be (coughs) so that we in our lives may glorify you magnify you in all we do and we will give you praise for what you have done in us in Jesus name Amen